This is the Best of the Adam Gold Show podcast, brought to you by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. I was not able to revel in the Pro Day Tour, but I did live vicariously through the internet. And Ryan Wilson, CBSSports.com, one of the Pick 6 podcast super friends, joins us because Ryan was on the tour. Uh, so I'm sure that was a blast. You need T-shirts with each stop on the back. Uh, so let's start in Tuscaloosa. Bryce Young didn't throw at the Combine, but I know he threw, and he threw impressively at Alabama's Pro Day. What's your takeaway from Bryce Young? He is exactly who we thought he was in the fall, Adam. And, yeah, he he didn't get weighed in Tuscaloosa, probably because he doesn't weigh 204 pounds anymore. He didn't want to chug 10 gallons of water and get on the scales again. He didn't run at any point. Uh, I don't think CJ did. I don't think Will Levis did. At this point, we don't care, apparently, whether right. he's running, whether these quarterbacks can run four fives or not. And plenty athletic. And, and what you saw in person, again, confirm what you saw on, on Saturdays when you watched him play, but his arm is as good as CJ's, and his ability to layer the ball to all three levels stuck out to me. And CJ does that really well, also. But but I think, um, again, he's Bryce is so incredibly tiny. I do the with the first pick <laughs> podcast with, with Rick Spielman, right. and Rick Rick talked to Bryce after the workout on CBS Sports HQ, and both times Bryce came over and shook my hand and said, you know, thank you or whatever. I think he's just been trained to be nice to everyone. Sure, and he is my size. And he is my weight, and I am not an NFL quarterback material by any any standard physically. And I think you have to be able to get over that, Adam, as an evaluator, mm-hmm. as a GM who might have traded up to the number one overall pick <laughs> to sell yourself on him uh, physically. But everything else, it checks the boxes. And I say it all the time. If he were 6'2", 220, we'd be talking about him like we talked about Trevor Lawrence. If if he were – look, I actually think if he were 6'1 and 195 pounds – then the Panthers for a the Panthers wouldn't have made the trade because the Bears would have kept the pick. If they <laughs> oh. would have kept they would have kept the pick if Bryce Young were three inches taller, I believe. But I don't I don't want to completely overlook the subtle flex you made by basically saying that you are uh, in the shape of a uh, a twenty two year old kid. Uh, Ryan Wilson, CBSSports.com. You said you were the same height and weight. Uh, I'm five ten. Five five ten. <laughs> same weight. It's a, all right. Um, here. How how it's got to be all taped though, doesn't it? How much of the what we see in the combine and these preconceived notions about what a quarterback is supposed to look like? How much of that will really make us ignore what we have seen on film for from Bryce Young for two years, which is exactly the way the NFL needs its quarterbacks to play now? Big moments out of the pocket improvising because I think that's what he does best. Yeah. And I, I think the NFL is coming around and it's not just Bryce. Obviously Russ Wilson was drafted in the third round back in 2012. If he comes yep. out this year. He's a first round pick. Baker was short. Lamar Jackson was short ish by NFL standards. Kyler was, was five ten and, and some and change. And, and he's been okay at times flashes greatness. And then all the other stuff and dealing with Cliff Kingsbury and, and, and the Cardinals. That's another conversation, but I think there's there's a precedent. So it's not like Bryce Young is the first guy ever. Drew right. Brees was actually six one when he came out mm-hmm. in two thousand, two thousand one, over that was. So he's actually pretty tall uh, by the guys we're talking about standard wise. But I, I think, look, I, I think if Frank Reich and Jim Caldwell and, and Josh McCown and Thomas Brown are all in on Bryce, they're going to draft Bryce because 
as you point out, Adam, you can see how good he is, whether it was in the fall uh, in Alabama, that SEC schedule. And we had Will Anderson tell us this uh, at the combine. We spoke to him. He said every single Saturday, Bryce Young lined up against SEC mm-hmm. defensive tackle talent, and he took a ton of hits. And those guys are all – a lot of those guys are going to be in the NFL. And he bounced up every single time. The shoulder injury was just a freak accident when he tried to stretch for a first down, I believe, <laughs> near the sidelines. So I, I don't think the – Physical part is as big a deal as perhaps we're portraying it. But again, I think we have 32 days until the draft and we got to talk about something. So we're going to talk about why he's so small uh, and can still do all the amazing things that we've seen him do. All right. So how do you uh, assess what you saw from CJ Stroud in Columbus? Great workout Uh, again. And you have to temper it and you sort of hinted at it, Adam. You're throwing against air. You're wearing shorts, mm-hmm. throwing to guys you know. And in C.J. Stroud's case, he was throwing to Jackson Smith and Jigba, who looked great, <laughs> and some guy named Marvin Harrison Jr., who was out there just catching passes for fun. Right. And when I tell you that people were vis- visibly gasping at some of the things that Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah. was was doing, uh, I'm not exaggerating. He is going to be special. And it was good to see his dad there, Marvin Harrison, who looked like a – like a middle-aged man, <laughs> you never would have known he's a Hall of Famer, especially standing next to his son. But CJ looked really good. Yeah. And, again, he does a lot of the things that Bryce does pro day-wise. Uh, he's got a good arm. He layers the throws really well. He moves well laterally. We saw glimpses of that in that Georgia game at the end of the end of what, end, end, what ended up being the end of his college career. Uh, and he throws well off platform. Now, and, and Dennis mentioned this to me coming in, and it's the same thought I had in, in – it sounds like you think that CJ is just a guy on some level. And I thought the exact same thing during the fall. And I talked to CJ, the senior bowl, uh, super bowl, excuse me. We talked to him at the combine. And the more you talk to him, the more you get a glimpse at this, this dude, he's, he's serious. He's serious about being a leader. He's serious about this job. And he has people that follow him in that locker room. And, and I think that we perhaps undersold him because he was thrown to a bunch of first round picks. I don't know. I mean, you can't fix that. Mm-hmm. You can't make them throw the guys who are terrible. Um, but he had a lot of success doing that. So I, I think that's the reason, and given the fact that he's 6'3 and 215 or 220, whatever he is, that makes it a little easier pill to swallow if you're trying to sell to the fan base. This is our future mm-hmm. franchise quarterback. Ryan Wilson, CBSSports.com, with the First Pick podcast as well. Kind of a, a part of the Pick 6 podcast family. I have no, no idea how it how it's umbrellaed. Um, I, I do think he's a good prospect. C.J. Stroud. From what I have seen, and I have never seen him in person, and I obviously didn't watch the pro day, uh, but when I've seen him play, I see a guy who's, I think, a good quarterback. But I think Bryce Young, if he were taller, then to, like we would be talking about him the way we talked about Trevor Lawrence coming out. That's, yeah. that's, he's only height away from being that guy because of everything, the, the poise with which he plays. And just to get back to C.J. Stroud, if he were close to Young's ability, this would be a no-brainer, though, wouldn't it? Yeah, no, you're exactly right. That's all exactly right. I, and the other thing that we forget this time of year because it's convenient, but these first-run quarterbacks, I think the hit rate's about uh, 25% that you're going to yep. get a guy that you can you can rely on. And that means three out of four of these guys are, are not going to work out. So, you know, you do the math. There'll be four guys that probably go top 10, maybe top 15 after another pro day workout last week. <laughs> and, you know, one, one of those guys is going to work. And if you had to put money down, it feels like Bryce would be the safe bet. I think CJ is a good football player Project when you're projecting him to the next level. He was a really good football player at Ohio State. 
but he doesn't have all the intangibles that Bryce has. And that's no disrespect to CJ, because like I said, he is really a good football player, but Bryce takes it to another level. And Rick Spielman, my co-host says it's a lot. He's been saying this since the fall and it's sort of weird, but when you think about it, it makes sense. He compares Bryce to Steph Curry in terms of things he's mm. able to do. Steph Curry doesn't walk out there looking like LeBron or Michael Jordan <laughs> physically, but we know what Steph Curry can do. And uh, in terms of quarterback slash point guard, running an offense, that's what Bryce brings, and it's a different level from the other quarterbacks in this class. I don't want to completely ignore the fact that Will Levis also had a pro day. What was your what were your thoughts? I can't imagine the Panthers have traded up to number one to get Will Levis, but what would what did you see from Will? He can throw the football through a wall. I mean, his arm <laughs> pops, and the, and the ball whistles when, when he's throwing and, he, and he's putting a little juice on it. He didn't layer it quite as well to, to all three levels. The touch passes weren't quite as crisp as CJ's and Bryce's. And again, to pro day, he used to run the guys that were freshmen last season, and those mm -hmm. guys struggled. He wasn't throwing to Marvin Harrison Jr. Right. Uh, he wasn't throwing to, to Jackie Smith and Jigba. And something that, that Spielman noted to me, and, and it, I, I saw it once he mentioned it, when Will Levis rolls to his left, he he struggles to throw the ball down the field with accuracy. He can still, you know, whip it in there, but the accuracy was a concern going left, and he was extremely rocked up from the waist up. He looked like a he looked like Luke Keekley, uh, waist up, <laughs> and that's a problem when you're trying to, you know, we talk about Tom Brady and his pliability. We joke yeah. about it, but you don't want to be muscle bound and trying to make throws and the flexibility is lost, and that sort of showed up as well. I do wonder what would have happened if Will Levis's pro day had been first, and then we'd seen CJ and Bryce, if that would have changed our perspective just because we're human. Sure. Um, but I thought it was a, a good pro day, but it didn't change my mind, and it just sort of confirmed to me that I don't think you can take him first overall and, and feel great about your prospects compared to CJ or Bryce. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see what Anthony Richardson looks like at his pro mm. day. Final thing for you, and I'm going to ask you to answer for you and for Rick. Who do you have as the number one quarterback on your board? I think I saw this on your latest mock draft anyway. And who does Rick think is the best quarterback? Yeah, Rick and I are in agreement on this. Bryce is one, CJ is one A. And then for me, it's Anthony Richardson. And then Will Levis, we'll see. We'll be at Anthony Richardson's pro day on Thursday. So we'll, we'll see him up close and personal as well. And I'm not sure where Rick is on Levis and Richardson. I think he likes Levis a little better just because there's less volatility mm -hmm. uh, of what he might look like with a little more experience, obviously. But for me, it's it's Bryce. It hasn't changed since the fall. It's Bryce and CJ and then Richardson and, and then Levis. Ryan Wilson, CBSSports.com. You're the man. I appreciate your time. I thank you so much. And I will check in again, I don't know, down the road soon, hopefully. I'll talk to you later. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Adam. You got it. Ryan Wilson, uh, Dynamite. So – this I keep getting back to this. You put three inches of height on Bryce Young. Oh, yeah. A, the Bears don't trade the pick. Yeah. And B, the contract's already signed. Yeah. The, the only reason we're having this debate is because he's 5'10", and he's probably 185 pounds. Yeah. That's why we're having the debate. There's no debate if we're talking about the ability to play the position. Adam Gold in studio with my man, Coach Pete Deruta, Capital Financial Advisory Group. What in your mind is the biggest challenge we face heading to retirement? Having income enabled us to not have to go to work, right? So when you get to retirement, you need the money from somewhere. We're supposed to be building our money as we work, putting it aside, 401k, whatever, 403b, TSP. But we need to translate that lump sum that we have into a lifetime income. We put together lifetime income plans showing you what your guaranteed lifetime income will be. The next 10 people, we'll do it for them at no cost. Right? At no cost. Yep. 
888-843-0013 or text Adam to 600-700. My email uh, made me, I guess, depressed is not necessarily the right word. Concerned is a better word. This weekend when I saw the release from the University of North Carolina that Eric Montross, a legend at UNC, former NBA player, and now a mainstay on the Tar Heel Sports Network, uh, was diagnosed with cancer. And the family is going to be very private. Eric's a very private person. And they basically have asked for positive vibes. And all that I have are going his way. Steve Kirshner, uh, who is, I mean, maybe the best spokesperson we have at any university or any industry here, uh, is joining us from Chapel Hill to talk about what I'm sure I think I'm confident in saying your friend, Eric Montross, because uh, I think that there might not be a nicer human being walking the face of the earth. And there's a lot of competition for that, including your head basketball coach. So I just leave the floor open for you, Steve, to you know just talk about Eric. And I know how private he is about this. He's not going to you know, uh, talk about his condition or anything like that. They're going to, they're going to keep this within the family. So, um, how do you think, how's Eric doing right now? You know, it's, you're right. He is a very private person, uh, but he's in a very public job in a very public environment. So his thoughts and his wife, Laura's thoughts, and there's kids, Sarah and Andrew, they felt that, um, they had, uh, found out the diagnosis last week and they were about, they were starting to tell a few people in a very small circle, uh, towards the end of the week, Thursday and Friday, and just understood that as public a figure as Eric has been for a long time as, as a former, you know, North Carolina, great North Carolina player and spending so many years, you know, 15, I think it's more than 15 years as our call analyst on the mm-hmm. radio network and has done national radio that just, you know, they didn't want speculation and rumors and gossip and um, they wanted to meet it head on. And, and particularly they've been running a father's day camp to raise money for pediatric yeah. cancer at UNC hospitals and felt that, you know, as public as they have been taking on cancer, they just felt like they really needed to at least address it. And, you know, they, they're not going to, get into what type of cancer and what right. the prognosis and what are all the details of the treatments, other than to say that the treatments are starting uh, at UNC Lineberger, which is one of the best places in, in the world yep. uh, to receive uh, treatment for cancer. Um, and they also, they believe in positivity and they believe in, in people sort of envisioning, you know, good outcomes and, and being part of that, you know, prayer group and support group and, they believe that a community battles cancer and Eric's in that community. And there are a lot of people, I mean, the, you know, the number of people that, that viewed the, the tweet that came out of the basketball <laughs> account was over 1 million people by within less than 24 hours. And um, I think it was just, you said it, he's one of the nicest people. I mean, there's a very short list of the nicest people <laughs> you've ever met and, Eric Montross is not only on my list, but he's on most people's lists. Um, and I agree, Hubert's on that list and others. And You know, I've, I've been very fortunate to be here a few years. And, and of the players that not only have I enjoyed being around as a player and a former player, but that others tell me that they enjoy being around. 
um, Eric and Laura and their family, you know, all fit that bill very well. Eric just has the ability, and we're talking with Steve Kirshner from North Carolina. Eric has the ability just to make you feel like you matter. And uh, it's not, I don't think that's common. Like, not that I like you, I respect you, but he has the ability to make you feel like you matter. And that's just a rare gift to me. Every now and then when we're on the road with the Carolina basketball team, I may be downstairs at breakfast or someplace near the hotel and Eric will pop in and he'll ask if it's okay if he joins me. I'm like, <laughs> yes, of course. Yeah. Um, and to watch how he treats the people, whether it's other customers, the people that work at the restaurant, the, the people behind the checkout line, whatever, the way he treats them and, and introduces himself, if they're kind of looking at him, I mean, you know, it, it's kind of hard to go through cancer treatments, you know, with a hat and sunglasses too, because you're mm-hmm. seven feet tall and you're Eric Montross in Chapel Hill and meeting things head on has always been the way he is. And he just, he addresses people straight up and introduces himself and makes them feel like he wants them to be part of his world on any given day in any situation. And, you know, one story I want to tell real quick is back in 1994, his senior year, he called me late in the year. This was before I had a cell phone, he had one. He just called me in my apartment one night and said, I need your help telling a story. And I said, what what story? He said, well, I, I've met a young man, a teenager up at UNC Children's Hospital named Jason Clark. And Jason had cancer, and Eric had gone up, as, as a lot of our student athletes do, and made hospital visits. And Eric struck up a friendship with, with Jason. And he said, you know, people treat me like I'm a, I'm some big guy, you know, big star because mm-hmm. I play basketball and we won a national championship last year and whatever. And he goes, I'm not a hero. This kid is a hero for the way he's dealing with his lot in life, his, his cancer diagnosis. And I want to tell that story. And Eric had, had played kind of poorly the game before and had written Jason's initials on his shoes. And we met with the media after the game and, after we got done talking about the X's and O's and Eric just sort of addressed that this was right after he wrote this program story. So he wrote the story we put in the program and he kind of explained to people why he was sort of, he, he kind of checked out, even play well and just wanted people to understand there were bigger things in life than basketball. And this young man and the, the way he was dealing with his diagnosis and prognosis was, was that Jason was a hero to to Eric, and Jason unfortunately passed away later that season. And and for the next whatever since 1994, since Eric's been in the NBA, they've run this Father's Day camp at, at UNC, and the proceeds go to building a a children's play area at the at the cancer center, so that when these kids go and get treatment, that mm-hmm. it's not just it's it's not a negative. If they have an opportunity to have fun and enjoy themselves and do things that, that every other young person who isn't dealing with cancer has the opportunity to do. And that's something that Eric did as a senior in college, that he had the wherewithal and the, yep. and the foresight to deal with that. And now here we are 30 years later, and, and Eric and his family are dealing with something as well. Yeah, those uh, that type of character, you, that doesn't just show up at the end. Uh, that's there. Uh, that's there all along. We have to let you go, Steve. I appreciate your time. Uh, I hope Eric comes back. And I've already reached out uh, as much 
positivity as I can send his way, uh, we are doing that. I thank you for your time. Uh, I'm sure you'll speak or see him before I will tell him I said hello, and uh, I'll talk to you very soon. Appreciate all the good thoughts. Thank you. You got it. Steve Kirshner from the University of North Carolina. Again, I can't stress enough just how good a human being Eric Montross is. On average, people spend over a third of their life sleeping, yet most sleep disorders go undiagnosed. I'm Megan Gigling, General Manager of Parkway Sleep Health Centers. Sleep struggles left untreated can lead to health problems and have a serious effect on your quality of life. We've served the Triangle for 20 years. Let us help you get the sleep you've been dreaming of. If you're in need of a sleep study, a knowledgeable doctor, CPAP machine, or supplies, Parkway has you covered. For more information or to schedule an appointment, visit parkwaysleep.com. Sound sleep. Sound health. 